You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. long, long time ago in the dim and distant past in Dublin, we lived in Ireland. My good wife had a friend with whom she worked. And every time the friend came back from holidays, she came back with his big, long, sad face, as motivated as, I don't know, a salmon on a fish farm. And she'd moan and she'd whine and she'd whinge. And she would turn to Lisa and she'd say, oh, back to Miss Monotony. I had actually, just as an aside, a client whom, when I met him first, would, on his return from every holiday, book his next holiday. Because he said that looking forward to the next holiday kept him sane. And he lived, if you could call it that, from one holiday to the next. But that's not what I want to talk about in this particular episode. I want to talk about back to Miss Monotony. Well, people have different expressions for it. Some people will say, oh, back to the real world or back to reality. What is the real world? What is reality? Or indeed, for starters, what is monotony? Because they all share something in common. And that is that whether it be the real world or reality, or indeed the boring humdrum of Miss Monotony's everyday life, all of these things are created by you. Monotony is the everyday creation of the same thing by the normal mind. So we live our lives monotonously. We live our lives habitually. We live our lives routinely. We live our lives on a set of rails that take us from birth through education, through adolescence, to work, to retire and die. And I'm not being facetious about that. That is the trajectory for the vast number of people on this planet in the developed world. People in the developing world don't have the luxury of retirement nine times out of ten. Monotony is something that is the everyday creation of the normal mind because it is this monotony that keeps you on that set of rails, which is, from an evolutionary perspective, a safe set of rails, a set of rails that will enable you make it through each day, monotonously, habitually, bored out of your mind. Now, you might try to change that around this time of the year. Every year, most people do make some kind of half-hearted effort at trying to change that. But generally speaking, their efforts fall flat. Let's tease apart the sentence that I have just spoken, a half-hearted effort. It's half-hearted because their heart isn't in it, because their mind isn't under their own control. And it's effort because their mind isn't in it, because their heart isn't in it. Because once you have to struggle through the thinking mind's everyday repetitive way of operating, 
everything becomes a struggle. Everything becomes effortful. So we end up making half-hearted efforts and falling on our face and confirming to ourselves, yeah, it actually is back to miss monotony. Let me put it another way. The efforts of normally minded people trying to change their lives at this time of the year are bound to fail for the very simple reason that monotony is the only show in town for the normally minded person using their mind normally. What about the other expressions that are used? Ah, oh, back to reality or back to the real world. Well, reality and the real world are often described in those circumstances as some form of coming down to earth after the joy and happiness of a holiday or a Christmas break or, or whatever. Back down to the real world. And of course, there again, basically what people are saying is expressing their actual experience of their ordinary everyday lives because the real world that they're talking about or back to reality that they're talking about is a come down from the couple of weeks that they have away from their real world. But let's dig a little deeper because in the manner in which I've just described back to the real world or back to reality for normally minded people, it is akin, sorry, it isn't akin, it's exactly the same as back to miss monotony. But let's, as I said, dig a little bit deeper and go into what reality and the real world actually are. Because in each case, reality and the real world is again a creation of your own mind. You create your own reality, or at least your version of it. You create what you see of and experience, or think you experience, as the real world. These are creations of a mind that uses its body of knowledge, known in psychology terms as stored knowledge, uses his body of knowledge to create the everyday experience of everyday life that ultimately again leads back to the monotony that I talked about right at the beginning of this episode. You create your own reality. And clearly, you don't have to think about this too much. You don't have to scratch your head and say to yourself, surely that couldn't be the case. Your reality is different from my reality. For starters, you live in a different place. I live in the French Alps. If we continue on, you know, you might be married to somebody, you're not married to my wife, or you're not with my partner, you don't have my children. We have our own obvious differences when it comes to our own reality. But that's not the reality that I'm talking about either. We're digging deeper than that. Because the reality that we create, regardless of who you're hooked up with, regardless of whether you're working for yourself or who you're working for, regardless of how many siblings you have, how well you get on with your family, regardless of how many children you have, regardless of how that family gets on with each other, regardless of all of those actualities, if I can put it like that. Way down deeper, regardless of what is actually going on in your life, you are creating your very personal version of reality. Let's look at it from the perspective of one of the things from which most normally minded people will be suffering as a result of 
coming back to reality after their Christmas break. People will be anxious, people will be worried, people will be frustrated, people will be suffering from stress. If you are to believe most of the surveys done in most developed countries over most of the last 30 or 40 years, most people, as in more than two thirds of people, are suffering from stress or think that they're suffering from stress. And of course, if you think you're suffering from stress, you are suffering from stress because stress is something that you create yourself as a result of how you think about what you think is going on. Listen to what I said there, because there's a two-stepped process involved. It's a natural process. It's something that comes naturally to us. It is something that comes so naturally to us that it's automatic. And therefore, when a lot of people talk about coming back to reality or coming back to the real world, basically what they're talking about is coming back to a stress-filled pseudo-experience of everyday life. We know, and there's decades of research at this stage, we know that we create our own stress. Something could happen you and me, the exact the identical thing could happen you and me and I would be elated or motivated and you'd be stressed and fearful. Why? Because the stress that you would experience is as a result of you thinking about what you think is going on. It's actually worse than that, as we've said before. The stress that you automatically trigger in your own mind and then body is a result of who you think you are thinks about what it thinks is going on. So there are multiple layers of thinking going on that all combine to create your version of reality. So anybody using that phrase with the long farmed salmon face that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, anybody using the phrase, oh, it's back to reality or back to the real world, what they're doing is settling back in to the rut to which I referred earlier on. The rut that will see you out the door at the other end of your sorry little existence. I'm not going to apologize for that, because if you're not using your mind in a way which creates the kind of reality that you would love to experience, then it is not living. It's a sorry little existence. And sadly, most people on this planet are blissfully and clearly that's the wrong word, unaware of how by allowing their minds abuse them day in, day out in a normal everyday fashion, they are actually missing out on their lives every single day, every moment of every single day. And they are ultimately going to get to the point where they lie on their deathbed if they have the luxury of that and say to themselves, what was that all about? They may not even be self-aware enough to ask that question at that late stage. But let's not go down the dark alley of the normally minded person who at this time of the year will say to themselves, oh, back to Miss Monotony, back to reality, back to the real world. Let us look at the statements that I made a couple of minutes ago in relation to reality and the real world from the other side, because we've only looked at them so far from the dark side, if I could put it like that. We've only looked at them so far from the way in which the normal mind creates a negative experience of so-called reality. 
Now, there are very good evolutionary reasons, or at least they were very good evolutionary reasons eight or nine or 10,000 years ago, as to why the normal mind should create a negative perspective on the apparent experience of everyday life, because it kept us on our toes. It kept us alert to the threats that might end our lives on any particular day when we were hunter-gatherers. Our minds now, in the modern age, as a result of that evolutionary development, aren't fit for purpose. So if you have, if I can use the phrase, New Year's resolutions around this time of the year, you are not going to be able to apply your mind to those New Year's resolutions. In other words, you're going to go half-heartedly into an effortful situation in which you set yourself up to fail. You're not going to be able to achieve any of those New Year's resolutions until you first achieve a mastery of your own state of mind. Now, mastery is a word that's bandied about by all kinds of so-called gurus and personal development experts. So I don't like the word, but it'll do for our purposes. Because basically what I'm saying to you is that before you do anything else or attempt to, to do anything else to change your life or to change any aspect of your life, the first and most important step that you need to take is get yourself on side. You don't want to be fighting with yourself, as the normal mind does. We all know that there's a dialogue going on in the head. We all know that somebody's nitpicking and snapping at your heels all the time. Somebody's telling you you're not good enough or you're suffering from low self-esteem or somebody's telling you you could do better, but you know, past experience suggests that you won't do better. We want to get away from all of that. All of that is normal, by the way. And People often say to me, oh, I'm overthinking or I'm my own worst enemy. And my answer to all of these people is, always the same don't worry about it it's normal and it doesn't matter what matters is what you do next and by that i mean for you now what matters is what you do now because this now is next from the previous now and if you've had a load of nows in your life where you were an underachiever or or indeed your own worst enemy as a result of using your mind in the normal everyday monotonous way that doesn't matter because the next thing you need to do is what you need to do in this now and as i said there's really only one step to changing your life yes you heard me right there's really only one step to changing your life or any aspect of it and that is bringing your own mind on side I could put it in a variety of different ways and have in the past. Really what you need to do is take control of your own state of mind. Now, somebody has said to me recently, oh, you're talking about mind control, or somebody else said to me, you're talking about self-hypnosis. Somebody else said to me, you're talking about neuro-linguistic programming, which by the way, is a form of hypnosis. It was only called neuro-linguistic programming in the United States many years ago, because hypnosis was illegal in a couple of the states where the proponents of neuro-linguistic programming were peddling neuro-linguistic programming. It's a box of tricks, and it will still keep you away from the true nature of the piece of equipment between your own two ears and its unlimited ability to create the kind of life that you would love to live. 
That's a very important sentence that I have just spoken. So you need to go back and listen to that again. Forget all the boxes of tricks. Forget all the affirmations that other people talk about. Forget all the notions of mind control. I'm not talking about mind control at all. I'm talking about taking control taking control of what is going on in your head, taking control of your own emotions, taking control of your own state of mind, allowing yourself the necessary luxury of turning up to your own life in the here and now. So there is only one step that you need to take to change your life because everything flows from that. And by the way, and I'm not just talking about this from personal experience, nor am I talking about it just from the experience of the people with whom I've worked over the last 27 years. I'm talking about this from the perspective of hard science as well. By their way, once you take that single step that I've been talking about for the last couple of minutes, the other things that you have to do become effortless. Because the only thing that was creating struggle and effort in your life was thinking about the things that you had to do, or more to the point, thinking about how you weren't up to doing the things that you were thinking about doing. The one step is really simple. The one step you really take makes everything so simple, as I said, to the point of effortless. The one step you need to take is to turn yourself on to the here and now. Now at this stage, we're heading for three decades of research in relation to the one surefire way you and I have of turning ourselves on and turning up to the here and now. And I've used the term surefire and actually surefire completely undersells the amount of science and the amount of proof and the amount of experience that people have had in taking this step to change their lives. You know the step I'm talking about because we've talked about it often enough. I'm talking about meditating because, as I said, we're heading for three decades of research that confirms that meditation is the only way that you and I can take control of the key components of our brain that enable us not just take control of our own state of mind, but allow those key components in our mind, enable us to do just what we need to do in any and every situation so that we move ourselves forward towards the life that we would love to live. Now, I've used that phrase a couple of times. In other words, what am I talking about when I'm talking about the life you'd love to live? I'm talking about you creating the version of reality that you would love to experience yourself. I'm talking about the real world that you would like to create for yourself. I am talking about ensuring that you have more of what you want in your life and over time, less of what you don't want in your life. Now, all of this sounds, as somebody said to me recently, awfully selfish. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I actually came across an article in a newspaper a couple of weeks ago that suggested that in certain cases, mindfulness, 
mindfulness meditation, in other words, being present to your life in the here and now, could actually cause you to lose control of your moral compass. It does the exact opposite. And whoever wrote that article obviously was writing it from a perspective of not having a clue what we are actually talking about when we talk about taking control of our own state of mind to be the best us that we can be. Now, again, I don't like that phrase because that's a much abused phrase by a lot of so-called gurus too. But listen to me carefully. If I am the best me, if I'm the best version of me, and I don't like either of those phrases, but that's beside the point. If I'm the best version of me, I am actually going to become more and more attuned to not just what I need, but what those around me need for their best lives too. Let me put it another way. The more I clear my mind and the more I leave my thinking mind behind, the more present I become, the more acquainted I become with my own true nature, the more I begin to appreciate who I am, what I am as energy in an energetic universe, the more I appreciate that and the more I begin to look at myself in a totally different light. Once I look at myself in a totally different light, I see everybody else in a totally different light too. I can't help it. Let me use the ordinary hackneyed analogy at this stage. The once I put my own oxygen mask on, first. Then I'm in a position to help others fix their oxygen masks too. In other words, once I discover me free from the thoughts, the own worst enemy thoughts that I mentioned earlier on, free from the thoughts that create a monotonous version of a shadow of reality, free from all of that, once I experience who I really am, I cannot but put my best foot forward in a way that doesn't just create my best life, but it creates the best life for those around me, or at the very least, provides them with enough of my presence and energy and charisma to enable them embrace their best selves too. Ultimately, of course, each individual is going to have to make up their own mind. It can only lead the horse to water. Or very often in this case, it's quite difficult to even lead the horse to water in the first place at all. But you can't change anybody else's state of mind. You can't take control of anybody else's state of mind. Neurolinguistic programming practitioners might suggest otherwise. In fact, they do suggest otherwise. They suggest that you can manipulate people through your presence and the use of particular words or phrases or body language. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about turning up and being you, turning up and discovering that I am worthy, I am deserving, I am perfect. I'm a perfect little piece of this grand universe of ours. And what I give out, I get back. And what I give out enables other people raise their game if they are so inclined. And even if they're not so inclined, the more I give out freely my presence, charisma, and energy, the more it will rub off on people who are even not inclined to grab a hold of their own state of mind and start creating the kind of life they would live to. Quantum physics, and in particular, the measurement of energetic resonance, strongly suggests that if enough people 
grabbed a hold of their own state of mind and discovered who they really were and operated from that state of mind, we would reach a tipping point so that even people who are not that way inclined almost couldn't help themselves but join the party. What party am I talking about? I'm talking about the party of enjoying yourself and living your life to the full in the most non-selfish way going. And I, I need to emphasize that again, because people get hung up on this notion that what I'm talking about is in some way selfish. No, what I'm talking about is ensuring that you understand, as I said a minute ago, that you're perfect, that you are worthy, that you are deserving of all good things. The real you is you are not the person you thought you were who is craving attention or who is craving stuff that will make them feel better about themselves. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about stripping yourself back to the bare essentials of who you really are. And we can only do that by developing our ability to completely still our otherwise chaotic and noisy minds. When we still our otherwise chaotic and noisy minds, we find this emptiness that is filled with our own being. That's what meditation is all about. Now, we know medically and neurologically and physically, meditation is about so much more than that. It is about literally restructuring the neural pathways in your brain. It is about literally changing the way the various key components of, in particular, the subcortical brain go about their everyday business so that they seek out synchronicities and opportunities rather than just threats in our everyday life. So that they, through our presence, lead us forward so that they, through our presence and our understanding that we are worthy and deserving, will enable us to do the right things in the right way at the right time to lead us ever forward. My message for you in this first week of this new year, 2023, is that first of all, 2023 is only a number on a calendar. Uh, you can change your life any moment. Every moment is a new you, a new year, a new life. And even if you fall, and we're all only human, you will fall over the coming weeks. It doesn't matter because every day is a New Year's day. Every now is the opportunity for you to create a new reality as a result of you being present in the here and now. So I won't wish you a happy new year. I could wish you happy new you, but that sounds a little frivolous because what we're talking about here is cataclysmic. It is literally life-changing. It is something that will change everything you thought you knew about yourself, everything that you thought you knew about how the world works, everything that you thought you knew about other people, those around you, and everything that you thought you knew about how to create the kind of life that you would love to live. It even changes how you think about the kind of life that you would love to live. Because when we think about the kind of life we would love to live, we always think within the box that thinking created for us in the first place. So that box disappears altogether as well. Now, if you're not experiencing any of those things that I've just mentioned, the literally utter eye-opening 
experience of understanding who you are and how the world works. If you're not experiencing any of that as a result of meditating, you're not meditating properly. And in a number of conversations I've had with clients and online program owners over the last few months at this stage, it has become apparent that some people are meditating in a mechanical way. In other words, they are, I suppose, still stuck on focusing on their breathing, still stuck on saying to themselves, I need to focus on my breathing because it brings me into the present. No, you use your breathing to focus. You don't focus on your breathing. There's a right way to meditate and there are ways that calm your mind that won't get you to the state of mind that I'm talking about, that won't enable you experience what I have suggested anybody who is in fully in charge of their own state of mind will experience, not can experience, will experience. People often say to me, for example, that, oh, I meditate to be calm. I meditate to relax. And yes, meditation will make you calm. And yes, meditation will enable you to relax. But meditation isn't a switch off. Meditation is a turn on. It turns you on to the wonderful roller coaster of life in the here and now. And I said wonderful roller coaster. I didn't say normal ups and downs of everyday life. The wonderful roller coaster, the adventure of the life that you can have if you'd only turn up to it. There's only one way in which you can do that and there's only one step that you need to take to change everything. I wish you all the very best in taking that step daily that we all need to take, regardless of how long we have been practicing it. We need to stop just practicing it. And the old expression that, you know, practice makes perfect isn't quite right. As I said a minute ago, you need to be meditating properly. Perfect practice makes perfect. Onwards and upwards for a wonderful now, for a wonderful moment as you listen to this, for a wonderful afterwards as you grab control of the piece of equipment between your own two ears and remake it so that it remakes your experience of reality. Wonderful. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.com.